This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So I've called the sermon the Alpha and the Omega um, because I really believe, and, and that's what Scripture says, I believe the Scripture is the full truth of God. Um, and I believe that the Alpha and the Omega is God because He is the beginning, the Alpha and the end. The Omega. Everything starts with Him. Everything finishes with Him. Um, I don't know how eternity finishes, but it finishes with eternity. Um, eternity with God. So, I just want to pray for us um, before we jump in. Father, thank you for the word tonight. Um, thank you for the worship, Lord, that we can worship you, that we can exalt you. Father, that your presence is here. Father, we're so sorry for taking it for granted so many times. But Father, we're really in awe and in reverence of your name and your presence. Father, may it be something that we never get used to, never get familiar with. And Father, tonight as the word comes through me, Father, that I pray that the words of my mouth and that the meditation of my heart will be pleasing unto you and that it will fall on fertile ground. We consecrate this time to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says... Okay, let's jump straight in Colossians 1 verse 13 to 20. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. We have redemption, which is the forgiveness of sins in Him, being Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to a first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Sure. To have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile everything to Christ by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And I want to start, and if we want to live our lives for God, if we want to give our lives to God and live this life for him, it's going to take every single part of us. It's going to take the whole of me. Not just parts of me. It's going to take every single bit of me to live for Christ. We can, however, only live in that manner if we understand that everything that we see, everything that we know, and everything that we understand was created by God. And not only, not only was it created by God, but it was created for Him. And for Him to give Him glory. And what, what I want us to take from it is that He is the Creator and God doesn't make mistakes. And by you sitting here, you being created by God, you're not a mistake, you are here for a purpose. He formed you. I want you, in, in Je, uh, Jeremiah 1 verse 5, it says that He formed you in your mother's womb. He knew you. He foreknew you before you formed you in your mother's womb. He planned for you to be here. You are not here by accident. You were created in the image of God with a purpose. 
And we can see that from the Genesis account, God creates, uh, from the creation account in Genesis, um, from verse 1, He creates the waters and the earth and the heavens, the stars, He creates the animals, the plants, everything. But tonight I want us to focus on Him creating us as people. Then God said, Genesis 1 verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. So tonight, if, if, if everything goes over your head, or you switch off now, and you maybe fall asleep, which I pray you won't, um, I want you to know that you were created with a purpose. You were created by the one who created everything that we see, everything that we know, everything that we can imagine God created, and he created you. So you are not here for no reason. You are not a misfit. You are created with a purpose, and that is to be conformed into the image of Christ. Now, unfortunately, from this place, the fall happened. Adam and Eve sinned. And there was a separation between God. And from that point, the rest of the Bible tells us a story of reconciliation between man and God. And I want us, and God created us for a purpose. And I believe that that purpose is to be with him, to know him, and to enjoy him. A lot of times we, we get, especially in South Africa, um, in the culture that we live, we, we kind of have this, the world outside has a view of that Christianity is boring and that Christianity is just a set of rules and laws and things that we have to live by. But God created you to enjoy Him. And I don't know if you know this, but God delights in doing good to you. God really delights in doing you good, in, give, in, in giving things to you, in rewarding you with His presence, with Different things, but he really delights in doing you good. And I want us to, with this knowledge, I want us to jump forward to Exodus. Um, and we see that God chooses Israel as his people. He's decided that Israel, the Jewish people, they will be his people. And he delivers them from Egypt where they're in slavery for 400 years. Um, and then we, then we come to Exodus 19, um, verse 4, and here they've, they've left Egypt. God delivers them from Egypt, um, brings them out. And here at this place, I'm not 100% sure, but it's like three moons, which is probably about three months, um, that they've been out of Egypt. So it's quite recently, it's a short time in terms of 40 years, um, that they bring, and then they come to, to Mount Sinai. So they come to Mount Sinai, and the first thing that Moses does is he brings them there. They set up camp, and Moses goes up to the mountain. Moses goes to meet with God, to hear from God. What does God have to say to us now? Because this is where we're going to camp. This is where we're going to, this is where we're going to worship God. And we, we pick it up here in Exodus 19, verse 4 to 6. It says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the people. For all the earth is mine. Once again, we see God created everything. All the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. 
So we see even just after Genesis, just after the fall, quite a lot happened between, but, but as, as he brings his people out of Egypt, we see that God um, tells the Israelites, as they come out, as they meet with him at Mount Sinai, that um, if you obey my commands and if you keep my covenant, I will make you my possession. I will make you my people. I will make you a kingdom of priests. I will make you a holy nation. And just past that, just just um, past verse 6, um, I think it's verse 10, um, he, he tells them to cleanse themselves. And from, from Exodus throughout the whole Old Testament, we see God continually commanding his people to cleanse themselves and to stay unstained from the world. He says, you will be my people. Keep my covenant, obey my commands, and you will be my people. But to be my people, you need to be unstained of the world. To be my people, you need to be a holy people, separated from my purposes. And we see this in the whole Old Testament throughout. And Psalm 24 summarizes it quite well for me. It says, 24 verse 1, we start at the top. It says, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and all... I lost my place now. The fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. And who are the people that God will choose? It's the people that have clean hands, that have pure hearts, that have not lifted up their souls to another. These are the chosen people of God. And tonight was so beautiful as there's that word that Lenny brought, the the barbed wires that are keeping us from the presence of God. The things of this world that so easily ensnare us. God's saying, if you want to be my people, I want you to have clean hands and pure hearts. I don't want you to lift up your soul to what is false. I don't want you to worship idols. I want you to worship me. Because as we said in the beginning, is I'm not going to take a part of you. I'm going to take everything of you. It, it doesn't encompass a little bit of us to worship God. It encompasses everything of us to worship God fully. And if we jump forward from this place to the New Testament... We see that it's very much the same as, as e- uh, not Egypt, Israel coming out of Egypt being in the Exodus to be with God, to be God's people. We see very much the same with us is that we are in the world, we're abandoned, not abandoned, we're separated from Christ because of our sinful nature. We're born into sinful nature, Romans 3 verse 23, for all have sinned. All of us, doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what your lineage is, you have sinned and you have fallen short of the glory of God. But you are also justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, so, so he tells us that we're sinners. He tells us that we're separated from him and that we need to be reconciled to him. And the only way that we can do that is through Jesus Christ. The only way that we can do that is to confess with our mouths, that He is Lord, to believe in our hearts, that He rose from the dead, and not only stop there, but to endure through this life 
with that confession, staying true to that confession. It doesn't just stop when we say, God, I love you, I accept you into my heart. When we endure, we stay true and we stick to that confession. That's where salvation comes. So that's where we, where we see our own exodus from the um, image of the world, from our sinful nature to a Christ-like nature. We see, we see that come when we confess and we believe and we endure, when we believe in Christ. We are all sinners and we need a Savior. And now from that place, from that place of understanding that I'm now saved, I've confessed Jesus as Lord, I've believed that He's rose from the dead and I'm living a life, we become God's people. By the grace of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ dying on the cross enables us to be His people. Without Jesus Christ, we wouldn't be able to be God's people. And from... From here we go to the letters of Peter. Um, in 1 Peter 2. And Peter's writing to a group of churches, um, and they are Gentiles. So they're not Jewish, um, but they're Gentiles, but they've come to salvation. So they've received Christ, they've received the gospel that's been preached. Um, and they've come to salvation, and he's writing them to, to encourage them. To encourage them for the word that they've received, and also to warn them against false teachers. So he affirms them, and this is very much like us, is that we're not Jewish, but we're saved. Um, and, we're, and, and we are now we are now God's people. And in 1 Peter 2, verse 9 to 12, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. It's amazing, isn't it? Who's excited to be a chosen race, a royal priesthood? The thing is, many times we just stop there. Many times we just stop there and we're just so pleased with saying, God, you know what, yes, I'm special. You know? I'm a chosen race, I'm a royal priesthood. Put the crown on my head. I'm amazing. I'm, I'm special. You are special, but you're not special for no reason. You're not just special to be special. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The purpose that you are a chosen race, the, the purpose that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the The purpose that God has created you to be His people is that you may proclaim His excellencies to the world. To testify that, yes, I've been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light, and you can be called from there too. And not only does it stop there, he says, once you were a people, but once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I find myself so many times having so little mercy with the people around me. Being really harsh with the people around me. And yeah, almost, almost elevating myself um, to, to a better place um, than what they are. And, and I think it's because I've, 
I found this in my own life, and this is the challenge for us, is not to come, become familiar with the presence of God, not to become familiar with our salvation, not to become familiar with the cross of Jesus Christ. Because when we come, become familiar, we forget the mercy that God has shown. But when we, when we are in awe and we, were, we are in reverence of the presence and the name of Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus Christ, we remember the mercy that has been given to us and we remember that we need to give that same mercy to the people around us. He goes even further to say, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. So he says a couple of things. He says to be a chosen and a holy people calls for a certain lifestyle, a lifestyle of holiness. He's called us to be a people for his possession. And he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. But he says, remember that you're only temporarily here. This is not your eternal home. Remember that you're only sojourners. You're only passing through this life. So therefore, abstain from the passions of the flesh. Don't feed your flesh here because this is not where you're going to be for eternity. And if we jump from there to Second Peter... Um, Peter's writing, writing to them, it's almost as if it's a, it's a goodbye letter. He says that Christ has revealed to him that his time is near and that he's probably going to pass away soon. So he's, gonna write, he's writing this letter to, to encourage them once again and to warn them against false teachers and to rectify some things that were said in the church and that were preached in the church and things like that. But we're only going to focus on a small piece of that. And he's saying, I wrote to you the first letter, also saying a lot of this, also saying that you're uh, a royal priesthood, you're God's people now. Um, but I really want you to get this. I really want you to understand something about what I wrote in my first letter. And he says, from verse 3, um, he says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these, by His glory and His goodness, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature. So He's given us everything required for life and godliness through His glory and His goodness. He's given us promises because of His glory and goodness so that we may share in the divine nature of God. So that we may be taken back to the original blueprint to be created in in His image. He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. That 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 we may be transformed into the image of Christ. Once again, not for no reason. It's so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. Goodness with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. Self-control with endurance. Endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. 
And it's quite a lot to take in from, from verse 5 for this very reason. Um, he, he's kind of giving them a, a way to live. He says, I told you to be, be a holy, you are a holy priesthood. You are a royal, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Um, and you must abstain from the passions of the flesh. And then in the second, that's in 1 Peter, and in 2 Peter, he kind of says, okay, I'm going to take this a, bit, a step further, and I'm going, to, I'm going to just give you a brief summary of how I want you to live. How do you abstain from the passions of the flesh? And he says, for this very reason, escape the corruption that is in the world, and for this very reason, make every, every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. And I went to go do a bit of a word study from verse 5 to verse 7. And I went to go look at the Greek and what it says. And I took small definitions of the word from the, from the original Greek. Um, and, and I kind of made a summary of what he's saying from verse 5 to verse 7. Um, and, and I think it's on the next slide. And I want you to, to keep that up there, please, and to take a photo of it. Um, if you want to, to write it down, if you write really fast. Um, but I just want us to understand this because this can go over our heads really quickly. But what he's saying is that I want you to stay free from the corruption of the world, abstain from the passions of the flesh for this very reason. Supplement your trust and belief in the resurrected Christ with moral excellence. And moral excellence with the word of God that has become experience. So practice this knowledge, having dominion within yourself, basically self-control, but not by yourself, led by the Holy Spirit, so that you may be unswerving in your purpose and loyal to your faith. Do this with all reverence to God and brotherly love, but love in a divine manner that God has given us. And in this way, you will be useful and fruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So with your trust and your belief in Christ, set a high moral standard. Set a, set a standard of high moral excellence to the people around you. But not just any moral standard, not just any moral excellence, but based on the Word of God. And having done this, practice self-control within yourself, but not by yourself. And with the knowledge of Christ, um, you will be useful and you will be fruitful. So verse 7 finishes with godliness and with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. And then from verse 8 says, For if these qualities are yours, what we just spoke about, and are increasing, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted, and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will richly be supplied to you. So this is not just some formula to a better life. This is not just some formula to, to live a good life um, or, 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 or a piece of scripture to tell you that you're God's people and, and, and you're special. And, and, and Peter is saying, he's like, I really, I really want to get this to you, that the world is evil and the desires of the flesh are, are great. They're strong. 
So live holy and consecrated lives now. Because through this manner you will, you will find entry into the eternal kingdom of God. So he tells us to share in the divine nature, to escape the corruption of the world. And the corruption of the world is there because of evil desires and therefore supplement your faith with these things. Live in this certain, in, in, in this way so that you may be fruitful, so that you may be useful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, if you, if you live this way, you will not stumble. And he goes further to say, not only will you not just, will you not stumble in this world, but in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will richly be supplied to you. And this clicked for me to, to a, in a small extent. I realized that I preached the same thing this morning, but while I was preaching it, I realized that I really don't have the full picture but that God's starting to do it in my heart and he's starting to do it in our hearts um, as a church. But we're not living this life in the manner, we're not living holy lives, being the people of God um, for, for now only. We're not living these lives to represent him faithfully so that people might see who Christ is in us, the hope of glory. We're not living this life now um, so that people might be saved and go to heaven one day, but, but not only for now, but we're living it so that we can be with God forever. And I've, I'd forgotten about that. I was like, yes, Lord, like I just want to get to know you more, get to know you more, get to know you more, which is great. But I was saying, God, I want to get to know you more for now. And I forgot that part of the purpose that he's called us to be his people is to be his people forever, for eternity. And I want us to go to, back to 1 Peter, and it, and it just sums it up so well. It says 1 Peter 1 verse 15, it says, But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in your conduct. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. So God is really calling us to be a holy people for him to be unstained and to be separated. And when I say separated from the world, I'm not saying that we need to be exiled on an island somewhere, separate from anybody and just make a holy huddle. I want us, I want us to realize that when I say separated, it's we need to raise a moral standard. Separate in the way that we live our lives, the way that we give our money, the way that we handle our money, the way that we handle our brothers and our sisters. The way that we treat the people on the street, the way that we treat the, the petrol jockey, the person that's helping you at spa or at checkers. That's what it means to be a holy people, to be separated for God's purposes. But as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning. He created life. He sustains life. And He also holds the keys of life and death in His hands. And 
was just wondering if I should say it, but I think I'm going to say it, is that let's not get arrogant with God and think that we created Him. I think so many times we go through this life and act as if we created God is an idea of the human imagination, but God created us. Let's stay in that place of reverence to God, not become arrogant with God. He holds the keys of life and death in His hands. And He created everything for Him, that for eternity we may partake in giving Him glory forever. Romans 11 verse 33, Oh, the depths of riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God, how unsearchable His judgments and untraceable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has ever first given to him and has to be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. So I want this, same as Peter, I want us to get this, that God has not just created us for this life, but he's created us for eternity. That we may give him glory, that we may fall down with the elders, that we may fall down um, with the angels and sing holy, holy, holy forever. So I want to tell you, if you're building your best life now, then eternity is going to suck. You're laughing, but it's the truth. That if you're living to make more money so that you can buy a bigger house or a better car or you're living for that relationship or that marriage, or you're living for this life, you're living to make it as comfortable as possible here, then eternity is going to suck. I'm not saying earning money is bad. I'm not saying having certain possessions is bad. But when that becomes your life, that becomes what you spend your time on, eternity is going to suck. And we need to realize this, that God has called us to be a holy people, to live a certain life for Him now. However uncomfortable, however, however uncomfortable it might be, he says there's going to be suffering. He's not shy about it. He doesn't hide it away in Scripture. He says there's going to be, there's going to be suffering. He says there's going to be um, persecution. But if we're living to make our life comfortable now, then eternity is going to be interesting. And I want, to, want us to, to read from Revelation, verse 8 to 11. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. We sang it tonight. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, because you were slaughtered. And you redeemed people for God by your blood from every tribe and every language and people and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on earth. And if the if the band can come up and the 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 communion, um, the elements of the communion can be prepared and be brought out by the ushers, please. Um, we're gonna close. Um, so Peter writes to, to the people and he, and he warns them, he encourages them he warns them against false teachers and then he just comes to rectify something and I think it's something that is also going to be rectified that needs to be rectified with us is that 
people were saying, yeah, but Jesus is never going to come. Jesus is never going to come back because they've been saying for years and years and years um, that he that he's not, that he's coming, but he hasn't come. And then Peter corrects them and says that, but one day is like a thousand years for God, and a thousand years is like one day. Don't you tell God what His timing is. And in two Peter three, he he, he encourages them um, with this word and says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud voice. The elements will burn and be dissolved in the earth, and the works on it shall be disclosed. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness. As you wait and earnestly desire the coming of the day, coming of, the day of God, the heavens will be on fire and be dissolved because of it, and the elements will melt with the heat. But based on His promise... We wait for the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness will dwell. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found at peace with Him without, with him, without spot or blemish. Also regarding the patience of our Lord as an opportunity for salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. So he says the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And it's clear what sort of people you should be in conduct and in holiness. And he says earnestly wait for and desire the coming of the day of God. And make every effort to be found at peace with him without spot or blemish. Christ is coming back, people. And he's not coming back for... A bride that is sleeping around with the world. That's in whoredom. He's not coming back for a, cry, for, for, for a bride that is not as interested in him. He's not coming back for a, for, for a bride that is backslidden. He's coming back for a bride that is pure and spotless without blemish. I don't know if you know it, but we are part of that bride. He's called us to be without spot or without blemish. To be formed into the image of Christ. Earnestly wait for and desire the coming of the day of God. And make every effort to be found at peace with Him without spot or blemish. While the communion is still being handed out, I just want to read to us again what we started with. And I believe that it's, I'm trusting God that it will sink deeper this time. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness. And he's transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. We have redemption. Which is the forgiveness of sins in him. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him. In heaven and on earth. The visible and the invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. 
All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things and by Him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He might come to a first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. And through Him to reconcile everything to Himself. By making peace through the blood of His cross. Whether things on earth or things on heaven, in heaven. So Christ offers His life so that we may receive life. Not only here, but eternal life forever. That we might not be in hell, but that we might see heaven one day. And so that we might be His people and give Him glory forever. God is focused on eternal salvation, not only the now. So our best life shouldn't be now, but rather in eternity. But we have a duty while we're here on earth to represent Him as faithfully as we can, as accurately as we can. And the only way we're going to do that is if we read this book, if we believe this book and we believe the one who breathed this into being. We also have a duty to make His praises known to the world. And this requires that we live holy lives. So basically, what I'm saying is it's just a different take on love the Lord your God with all your heart, with everything that you have. With everything that you have. And love your neighbor in that same way. Not for now only, but for eternity. So that we together might glorify God forever in eternity. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.